0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. This is Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player, Ralph Sampson. Center Court is presented by the Winner's Circle Network in conjunction with the Sampson Family Foundation, striving to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. Now here's Ralph and your host, Mac McDonald. Welcome in to Center Court on the Winter Circle Network. Ralph
2: Sampson, Mac from Great to have you on this uh, day. And uh, Ralph, fabulous guest coming up. I can't wait to dive into Suli and uh, John Grisham and uh, to talk about some of his books and what he's done.
3: Mac, finally a basketball book. Still I know, right how about that? Mr. Huh? John Grisham. I mean, finally, from football to baseball, it's hard, but finally a basketball book. It's a great book. I pick it up and, and read a lot of it, and i um, got to finish it, but it's a wonderful book.
2: Okay, I'm not going to tell you how it ends. Uh, no, I'm not going to no, tell see, I'm, anybody. I no, don't no, no. oh, Yeah, I I'm gonna finish it. I gotta finish it. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's uh, Suli, by the way, and we'll be talking a lot about. You'll hear us say the name, but it's uh, it's simply called Suli, and uh, yeah, people need to to uh, get it for sure. Uh, you know, Calico Joe was a baseball book I loved. Uh, you know, he's so he he's dived into baseball. He's got Cove Creek, the Little League park, all nine yards. He loves. Uh, You know, he loves the sport of baseball, but yeah, his first basketball book and it is it is truly a a gem. It's so good. Speaking of which, I know you keep your eye on it. It's Hall of Fame basketball weekend
3: Two Hall of Fame this year, one uh, now and one in uh, September. So this one is the big one with Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett. So it's a very, very huge Hall of Fame weekend. I was going back, but all the COVID protocol and everything was happening. I just figured i would watch it better on television because it's totally going to be different this year. But it's going to be amazing to see Michael Jordan present Kobe Bryant.
2: And talking about Tim Duncan, he's the you know the lone ACC player of course, San Antonio Spurs with five championships and and how good he was. There aren't too many people who get to work with two big men, Hall of Famers, and two guys like you and Tim. And I had the joy to work with both of you. Uh, I have a feeling the mentalities were really kind of the same in the way you guys approach the game. Very business-like Ralph. I don't know if you ever met or spent any time with Tim Duncan and got a feel of of what kind of mentality he had. Dave Odom saw something, and that's why he attended Wake.
3: Well, it's only three people: Mike, you, Coach Odom, and Emily Giffen. That's crossed my path and and uh, Tim Duncan's path, right? Oh, that's been that? In the same think day, you think know? about that? So. Uh, it's kind of kind of crazy how it works. So Coach John obviously, you know, with me and I can remember when I broke my finger. He said, "Use your left hand. Use your left hand." So he took <laughs> me to practice using my left hand, and I got to play that way against Louisville, of mm-hmm. course, in that in those years. But how amazing can uh, Tim Duncan five championships? I mean, it speaks for himself. I mean, one one franchise for all of his career. Not only a great person on the court, but off the court. But I think he's much more amazing as well.
2: So under assuming under and he got thrown into ACC basketball when Maktar Injai, it was an NCAA violation over a phone call. He had to, he was forced to leave Wake uh, through some, I don't know, rule. And then uh, but Timmy was supposed to redshirt and ended up playing. In, uh, at right. the great Alaska shootout is where he opened his career. No points fouled out. In his very first game, you know, and uh, uh, I'm sure you remember your first game as a collegian, too. But uh, but boy, what a what a player he turned out to be. You're right.
3: Yeah, it's great. It's I mean, first game and that was my first game, you know, exhibition games and pickup games. And, you know, I, but I had some seasoned vets with me. You know, I had the likes of Terry Gates, Jeff Jones, Jeff Lambley, Raker, you know, those guys with me. So I had some seasoned vets that kind of knew the ropes and protected me very
2: well. Okay, I have a question now for you. Uh, with what happened with Russell Westbrook, the record over Oscar Robertson, tri- how many triple doubles did you have in your career, college and pro? How many?
3: Mike, if I had one, I'd be lucky. <laughs> if I had one, I'd be lucky. You know, I, I don't know if I had anybody. The thing about that, so Oscar had Kareem, right? Right. This got hooked. So a lot of those assists went to Kareem. Right. But they won a championship. Russell Westbrook. Hasn't won a championship yet. So Oscar still in my eyes is the best ever. When gotcha. It comes to triple double.
2: Yeah, gotcha. But 182 and, you know, he's averaged a triple double again this year. I mean, it was it was quite the achievement last week. Quite the achievement. For a whole season.
3: Yeah. Yeah. but I mean, it's hard to do. It's hard to do.
2: It's that. Before we uh, go to break, when did you first meet John Grisham?
3: Obviously, I wanted you know the UVA basketball game number mm-hmm. eight, nine years ago. Uh, sitting on the front row, me and Phil Wendell introduced John Gressman going to back, talk a little bit. So the camaraderie started to build over just going to basketball games, as you'll hear in this interview. Uh, he loves Virginia basketball and but basketball in general, right? So uh, the relationship came and and then, then the whole run for the final four, I mean all of us kind of banded together at that point in time and we saw each other at all the games.
2: The outstanding author is coming up. This is Center Court on the Winner's Circle Network. We'll go to break and be right back. Stay with us. The mission for the Samson Family Foundation is simple. We strive to uplift, empower, and educate the communities we live in. The foundation promotes charitable and community input, educational development, health and fitness, and scholarship opportunities. The Samson Family Foundation's initiatives focus on patients with cancer, educational scholarship programs, and give students guidance in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. The Samson Family Foundation encourages limitless possibilities. Your financial support is tax-deductible. To learn more, call 540-615-5097. The website is samsonfamilyfoundation.org. Uplift. Empower. Educate. It takes teamwork to make the dream work.
4: always wanted to do a basketball book, and so I had a pretty good idea. That was sort of the impetus to start writing the basketball novel and and get my basketball fixed because March Madness was gone.
1: You're listening to Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Once again, here's Ralph and Mac. Welcome into Center Court on the Winter Circle
2: Network with Ralph Sampson. I'm Mac McDonald. As we said at the top of the show, uh, just a terrific guest today and a guy that I've admired for a long, long time and I think has admirers all over the world, really. John Grisham is with us. And John is the number 46 or 45. I I how many how many books now have you done?
4: I think Sully is 46. That's awesome. Uh, I have not um I have not gone back and counted. I I don't I don't do that. Uh, But it's uh, that's it's a lot. There's too many books. Too many books. <laughs> and Ralph, I just
2: asked John before we started. I asked him if you could play Sully, but you're too tall. So when he does, oh,
3: movie, I, see everybody always writes about little point guards. So that's just not fair. You get some big guys in there somewhere, right? We
4: meet we meet Sully. He's a uh, he's a six foot two. Uh, Non-shooting point guard, <laughs> and uh, by the time the st- story takes a p- takes place over the course of one year, and he's seventeen when we meet him, and when the story's over, he's uh, he's turned eighteen, and he's six foot eight, so he grew six inches. Ha- ha- what's your record, uh, Ralph, for the most inches you grew in one year? And I was, it was four inches,
3: uh, four to four, five okay. inches in one 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 whole year. But that's almost like a David Robinson story, right? He he went to uh, the academy.
2: He was a uh, six three six four. Wow! No kidding! No kidding! It's a terrific book, and uh, you know, naturally, it's easy to ask why a basketball book, and 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 why now? Why haven't you done a basketball book? Because you're such a fan. Why haven't you done a basketball yeah. book before now?
4: Didn't have a story. I've written uh, two football novels. Uh, the first was Bleachers twenty years ago. Playing for Pizza was about fifteen years ago. Uh, loved baseball. Waited and waited for the baseball novel. Finally, did Calico Joe about ten years ago and been waiting for the basketball story, uh, for, until now. And, and with, when it comes to stories, some ideas just appear, uh, they drop down from the heavens and there you go. Other stories uh, <laughs> take a long time to kind of, uh, work on and work out the kinks and most of them don't work, but you, you know, until you have the story, you can't just force things to happen. It's got to, you have to be inspired. And so, um, a couple of three years ago, I, uh, Read this great magazine article about uh, this team from South Sudan. Mm-hmm. Team of seventeen-year-old kids coming to the U.S. in the summertime to play in the great big showcase tournaments against teams from around the world. And this one team from South Sudan just stole the show. Uh, they were they, they won all their games by big margins. They played just a ferocious brand of basketball. They were they were infectious with their enthusiasm and smiles, and the fans just loved them. And their coach was a good guy, anyways. A great magazine article, and I thought that may be that may be the setting for a, a good story, and that's kind of where it got started. And I, you know, pieced together other elements of the true stories that I've heard about over the years, and and uh, finally I had I was ready to go or almost ready. And a year ago, when we, when we were watching TV one night, and we saw those unbelievable words. March Madness canceled, and I, I thought that was illegal. You can't cancel March Madness, and uh, so suddenly we had no basketball, and that was sort of my motivation to start writing the basketball novel. I needed a basketball fix, so I started writing.
3: How much did the UVA experience in, in, in your world, sitting on the front row watching the games, affect the book?
4: Great question. Well, it affected, it affected me, Ralph, because it just really, in the last 10 years, we, we, we've been on the floor in the new JP Jack. I think 13 years now, uh, it's just such a, a you know a great place to watch basketball, and Absolutely. we were invited to take part in the initial uh, construction of JPJ, and we were happy to do that. So we got some good seats, and that changed everything. My wife Renee's a bigger fan than I am. She's a Tar Heel, <laughs> by the way. She loves the Hoos, but she loves the Tar Heels, and just just being that, that close to the action and watching the games. And our son went to UVA, and we went to Minneapolis two years ago for that great yes, sir. weekend up there, and. Well, you know, just uh, big fans of the Hoos, big fans of the Heels. And and so we just we, – basketball, from December through March, basketball is very much a part of our li- social lives. And we, yeah. uh, we do it with our kids between here and Chapel Hill. And, yeah, we just, you know, and fell in love with Tony Tony Bennett. And over the years, we've, we've fallen in love with the kids he brings in here. Tony brings in a certain class of – Players who stay four or five years sometimes, and and right. learn his system. But they're they're quality kids, they're class kids. And um, four years ago, Momadi showed up, and he uh, at first didn't didn't play that much. He always had the big smile, and you know, oftentimes, wasn't sure what he was doing on the court. But Tony <laughs> brought him along beautifully, and um, he became a real fan favorite. And we we loved to watch Momadi play. Came, you know, he came from Guinea in Africa. And um, so that was an inspiration for the book. We've had several players from Africa play here. Uh, they're all over college basketball, all over the NBA. And you know, there's some really f- phenomenal players. All that kind of came together at one time for the novel.
3: So two questions. How, how does a who and a hill mi- mi- mix match? I don't know if that's, <laughs> if that's the first time I've heard a who and a hill on the same, in the same sentence.
4: Yeah, it's, uh, it's not easy. Uh, it's, uh, my, my son went to UVA. My wife is went to UNC, my daughter was a Tar Heel. My daughter married a Tar Heel. She has since given birth to two small Tar Heels in Raleigh. And so we got plenty of Tar Heels. When when things erupt <laughs> over dinner, I said, look, I went to Mississippi State, okay? We don't do Sweet yep, yep. 16, so leave me out of it. I just you know I, I kind of straddle the fence and get get kicked from both sides.
3: so we see the, the wife control that side of, of stuff then going to going to North Carolina. And you favor with the hit, with the with the who. So I see the robbery now. And that house, I'm sure, is pretty cool when they play each other, right?
4: Yeah, thank God we have no dookies in our house. Yeah, yeah, Do no, no. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, the, the old tobacco road thing. John Grisham is our guest on center court. John, mm-hmm. the book, and getting back to Sully, too, it just um, was so brilliant. And, and I've heard you talk about, you know, the ideas come in, but the way you combine the Sudanese conflict and what was happening there into a basketball book. I mean, you could probably tell the whole story about, it, but it just was, and again, you don't need to hear it from me, but it was brilliant the way the two stories go together in this book?
4: Yeah, oftentimes when I write a, uh, a fun, with I hope they're all fun and entertaining. They're supposed to be entertaining. My, that's my goal when I write a book is to entertain people. But oftentimes I'll uh, weave through a serious issue, whether it's normally it's something to do with the criminal justice or injustice system and, and problems we have there. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to sort of raise awareness uh, in this book to the plight of the refugees. We've all seen the refugees. We've all seen the pictures and the, the, the news clips, and we know things are terrible. But until you peel back the layers and get a little deeper into it, you really have no idea uh, how terrible it is. a humanitarian crisis we've never seen before um, in, in, in history. Mm-hmm. We have more uh, refugees today than um, than any time you know in our history. And the number is not going down. Uh, the Sudanese people, I think it's two or 3 million now are, are permanently displaced. They're living in these refugee camps in other African nations because they cannot go home and they're permanent. There's no home to go back to. And so I wanted to kind of walk the reader through a small glimpse of that. It doesn't take much to get a full picture of how bad things are. Mm -hmm. And that was sort of – that was the fun research. The basketball research was a lot of fun going back and forth. But, you know, it's just kind of the art of storytelling. The weaving of of
2: placing him at North Carolina Central was just such a great picture. It was such a great – yeah, he could have played anywhere. You know, you could have taken him to UVA, and I think Virginia finally got in the book at 250 pages in or something. But, I mean, you could have taken him so many places. I just thought – did you have a list of – yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe, when you were trying to, which school Suli would go to?
4: Well, here's how it happened. Uh, keep, keep in mind, when you first meet Suli in the summertime, he's with his uh, team from South Sudan. He's not a star. He's a good player, but mm-hmm. he's a developing. He's not, uh, he doesn't show well in the showcase tournaments. He's not really, really that highly recruited. In fact, nobody really is there to offer him a scholarship. And so, I, so I, that, that eliminate all your big schools. Your big schools were taken out of the picture with that. Mm. And so, when when bad things happen back home, Sully cannot go home. There's no home to go back to. Right. He's stuck here, and so he has to go to a smaller school with a spare scholarship and yeah. a coach friend. Knows a friend. Knows a friend. And so that's that's one reason he we went to Central. Also, I couldn't resist the idea of having the other school in Durham play, <laughs> play Central, and Central does very well. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, we don't want to get on it. It's coming man. out now, Mac. It's coming out. There are several million South Sudanese refugees who have fled the country into Kenya, Uganda, Congo, other countries. Kind of want to take the reader through a very entertaining novel, hopefully and also kind of
1: expose people to
4: something I didn't know about.
1: This is Center Court, presented by the Winter Circle Network, in association with the Sampson Family Foundation.
2: Welcome back on the Winter Circle Network. This is Center Court with Ralph Sampson. Our guest is uh, author John Grisham, 46th book, Sully is out. Uh, We'll talk somewhere within this uh, discussion about a couple of his other books and my favorites. Yeah,
3: I mean, all the books, I mean, from books to movies to sports to this life, uh, you know, people know who you are as a book writer. We've been getting to know you as a person. Why Charlottesville, you know, front row sports wife? I I get all that now, but why Charlottesville and what makes that so special to you?
4: Ralph, you know, it's funny how life works out. None of it was planned. We were living in Oxford, Mississippi, where we're from, we're, we went to school at Ole Miss. I went to law school there. Renee was an undergraduate for a couple of years. We got married in Oxford 40 years ago, 1981. And uh, we were very happy in Oxford in 1991, 30 years ago when the firm came out. And uh, life changed dramatically real fast for us. And and we were, we were extremely happy and thrilled to be going through uh, this once-in-a-lifetime experience. We, we wanted to get away. We found the need. We lost a lot of privacy. And we wanted to get away and find some place for one year to kind of re- regroup our kids. The year was 1994. Our kids were, Ty was 11, Shay was eight. And so we wanted to go somewhere where we didn't know anybody and live the quiet life, put our kids in a different kind of school and just, you know, hide for a year and we, we'd, we'd been to Charlottesville one time uh, to go to Moncello and, and, uh, and see some of the sites around here, really like central Virginia and so we bought this old house 10 miles south of Charlottesville out in the country and moved there in August of 1994, uh, again to stay for one year, just to, just to, to run away and uh, you know, we realized quickly it's, it's a very nice place to live and one year became two and three and four, and we stopped (laughs) at home, and now that was 27 years ago, and our son went to UVA, our daughter went to UNC down the road, and uh, we love Charlottesville, love Central Virginia because of all the obvious assets, uh, all the pluses here. UVA is a huge factor because it brings in world-class athletics and arts and concerts and academics and you know a, a very very diverse uh population we, we like college towns my wife discovered horses about the first year we were here it's a serious horse country anyway just all it became a very and and, and really great schools and so we uh to, for us it's, it's just a, it's a perfect size for a town Charlottesville is not too big not too small but it has a lot to offer and uh, so again 27 years have gone by and we ain't leaving
3: there you go special place for sure and they and there to all of us uh Mac and I met in 81 and so forth and so on. I've been there actually 79, in high school coming there as well. So that's why I asked that question. So Charlottesville, there's more to John Gritham and the family than just books, but the books are great. And but also the feeling of, of being a, a citizen in Charlottesville, I'm sure, special with all the stuff you do in the community as well. So I commend you on that as well.
4: Ralph, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a special place in that there, there's a spirit of um, volunteerism here yeah. that is hard to find anywhere else. Uh, everybody has, has their own nonprofit because everybody's trying to help. Everybody's almost everybody's trying to, to do something, raise awareness, raise money to address a problem. And if there's, if there's a problem here, you're going to find people who are willing to go to work. Uh, there's a fair amount of money here and people are very generous and, and we address problems and help, you know, help people who are in need or at least try to so it's just a real wonderful spirit of, um, togetherness here, community, community involvement. And, and it's, it's, that's really kind of hard to find it in other places. Absolutely. I agree.
2: And John, and you, and the great part about that is, you know, early on, and you know, when you were an attorney, of course, early in your life and, you know, coming out of Arkansas and where your parents were, I mean, you saw a lot of that growing up and I think it probably had a lot of influence on you. And I know you practiced law, what, for a while, and then you were in the, the House of Representatives in Mississippi for a while. And so y- you got to see day-to-day things that maybe you
4: could, you know, you could put your fingers on. Yeah, one, one, thing, one thing to, to that, that that proves that point or drives that point home is that when I was a kid, we moved around a lot, small towns in Arkansas, Louisiana, and Mississippi. And when we moved to a new town, I had two younger brothers, and the first thing we would do is go check out the Little League baseball park, the
5: baseball <laughs> sure. first.
4: And you could you could you could instantly judge the the, the quality of life in any small town by the uh, by the little league baseball field. And that's where we hung out <laughs> and played our games. And so we we had great fields in um in Oxford. I coached when I was coaching Ty in his first years in Little League. We moved to Central Virginia. Again, we're we're 10, 12, miles from downtown, way out in the country, southern Alamo County. And there were no baseball fields around here. Uh, And I I drove around looking for them. There's no real big town. Again, Charlottesville is about the only town around here. And and I checked. The leagues were not that strong out here. They're stronger in town. But there were no ball fields. And so uh, I got irritated with that and decided to build some ball fields uh, for kids to play on. And that became Cove Creek Park uh, that opened in 1996, 25 years now. And we have seven fields every year we have between four and 500 kids playing in the ball park. And, and, you know, it's mine. I own it. I'd love to give it to somebody else just to get rid of it, but nobody, <laughs> nobody wants to take it.
5: And so I'm still
4: the commissioner because when, when you own the ballpark, you get to be the commissioner. So I'm a full-time commissioner. <laughs> nobody wants that job either. I'm still the little league commissioner. Do you actually solve problems as a commissioner <laughs> of, a, of a little
2: league ballpark? Do you actually solve issues?
4: Yes. Yes. We have Occasionally, uh, <laughs> We'll, we'll have, they, they call me in for the heavy stuff when we mm-hmm. have a problem with a kid or a problem with the family or a coach. Uh, and that players up every now Not every year, but every now and then we have to sit down with people and say, look, this ballpark is privately owned. Uh, all we expect you to do is show up here with a good attitude and behave. And if you can't behave, if you're not happy here, we'd like for you to go somewhere else. And we have the luxury of doing that because it's a private park. That rarely happens, but uh, I go down every year uh, to conduct the draft. As you probably remember, <laughs> drafting <laughs> nine-year-old baseball players can get to be a very serious uh, oh, absolutely. Uh, day. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, so
4: I have to kind of referee the draft every year, <laughs> and I go down for the voting of the all-star teams, another very dicey moment in any little league park, and you select all-stars. I have to go down for that and referee that and, you know, get everybody through it without any conflict. And, again, I've done it now for 25 years. So the ballpark runs. I have a great staff, and it runs very well. Uh, you know, the problems with parents uh, get yes. more severe every year, and we, we were constantly struggling with that, how to make folks just behave. It's a recreational park. It's not a competitive park. And so, what's killing youth baseball and a lot of youth sports are your travel teams, your year-round yep, yep. travel teams, which I think are just awful uh, because kids now at the age of twelve or thirteen pick a sport, one sport, spend all their money with all their money with that sport, and uh, it, it's not working out too well. So anyway, uh, I spend a lot of time with youth sports still. I, I coached my daughter there. Uh, she played softball
2: there. And I, I got to tell you, opening, opening day, I cried. John's making a speech. <laughs> I'm standing on. <laughs> I'm going, this is amazing. <laughs> you know, pretty special place. Commish, it's uh, pretty good. John Grisham is our guest on, on Center Court and Winter Circle Network. Is His new book, Sully is out uh, to go with all his others. And right before that, of course, Time for Mercy, John, was oh. so good, too. And I heard Matthew McConaughey do an interview and goes, oh, yeah. John and I have already been talking about the the new movie and and McConaughey. Have you got that buttoned up yet? Can you say is McConaughey (laughs) going to star
4: in the Time for Mercy movie? Well, as far as I know, uh, the deal is there. Uh, The paperwork has not come through. And with Hollywood, you you know, so many things can go wrong. They have been going wrong for my movies for the past 15 years. I tell people I laugh. People are kind enough to ask about movies and TV based on my adaptations. And I tell people do not believe any of it until they start filming because when they start filming, the money has hit the ground and they're going to, they're going to film, they're going to make right. something Sure. Uh, until that moment happens. And I've had a movie collapse the day before until yeah. they start filming, nothing, nothing is certain. So Matthew said he wants to do it last week. He was talking about running for governor of Texas. So yes. I, don't know yes. I heard yes. that. Yes. yes. <laughs> so Bruce, Bruce Jenner is going to run for governor of California. Matthew's going to run for, you know, so it's politics, but yeah, I think Matthew's going to do it. He wants to do it. We've talked about it and uh, I hope so. It's up to him. It was really fun talking to these people who have, who've been to the final four and, and, and know what it's like to get recruited or know what it's like to deal with an NBA agent or, or the first NBA contract. Or how, how does that, when a kid enters the draft or, you know, that, that was all stuff I'd read about but didn't really know about until I had to nail down the details for the book.
1: Building a game plan for life. It's basketball and beyond. We return to center court with Hall of Famer Ralph Sampson. Welcome back on the Winter Circle Network. We are pleased as we
2: can be to have John Grisham with us. 46 books, his 46th Suli. You got to get it. It's a basketball book. And also with the thought process of the Sudanese conflict, it is just way too good. And, uh, you know, do you want to ask John, go ahead, about how creative the process, how you can develop a creative process like he has? Well, yeah, yeah,
3: Mac. That, that's a great question. The creative process, but I mean, John Grissom is like the best author in the world. So, what's next? I mean, yeah. how do you, what's that creative process? How do you get that? Where do you get that from?
4: It's like playing basketball. How do I get that that mindset to go play against North Carolina, right? you know what? You 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 do it every day. You practice it, and you're good at it. You always show up, and I you know I've been doing that for 35 years, and I you know I'm always thinking about um, uh, stories that might. Turn into novels. I, I'm, I was a lawyer for 10 years and I still think like a lawyer. I love the law. I love to think about and read about stories involving lawyers, law firms, the firm, uh, appeals, cases, courts, uh, litigation. You know, when a, when a big law firm blows up, there's going to be plenty of great stories about what happened. This is all really juicy stuff for me. Also, uh, for the past 15 years, I've written about uh, so many problems with our legal justice system, so many injustices that we need to, we could fix if we had the guts to do so. But wrongful convictions, death penalty, mass incarceration, sentencing disparities—all these—all uh, these problems we have create some situations that are very, um, very uh, heartbreaking because people are mistreated, uh, people are 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 not treated fairly by the system, and so especially with wrongful convictions. And so I, I, I kind of live in that world. I'm always reading books about um, stories that could lead to, you know, a certain type of lawsuit or injustice or, you know, criminal procedure, or whatever. That's, that's where I live. And, that, mm-hmm. and when, you, when you, when you live in that world, the the material is endless. The, the stories are just never ending about uh, big corporations, screwing small people or environmental pollution or whatever, bad drugs, Oxycontin, opioid, you know, the, the, the list goes on and on. And that's kind of, I just kind of sift through that uh, continually, daily, looking for great stories. Yeah. And so when I find one that might become a novel, I'll take notes and, and start clipping magazine articles and get more and more serious about it. And the good stories stick around and kind of rise to the top and the, the weaker stories eventually go away. When most of them don't work, but when one story is good enough to stick for a while, uh, it's going to become a book. And so it's a process. Occasionally, something is going to hit like a flash of lightning, a bolt of lightning. And you go, wow, that's that's a novel mm-hmm. that that happens occasionally. Most of the time, though, it's this um, process of just weeding out all kinds of, uh, you know, fun facts and good material to get down to the, what makes a good story. So yeah. it's a process. Uh, the, the good thing about writing, as opposed to being a basketball player, uh, you can do it till you're dead at the age of 85. The, the <laughs> career goes on and on. Uh, I, I dreamed of being a professional baseball player, never got close, never had the talent, but I can, you know, I, I catch myself thinking, well, that career would have ended 30 years ago, but <laughs> I'm still writing books.
2: <laughs> yeah. Pat Williams said last week on our show, he said he's 81. He's written what, 117 books or whatever. And he says, if you have a pulse you have a purpose. And and I, <laughs> I, I put that above my computer. I just thought that was such a, you know, such a great comment. He is such a, a great guy. How yeah, many, man, he
3: said in his 80s, he should be much better.
2: Yeah, he still wants, he's still he's <laughs> got 44 book plans is what he said. How many idea submissions do you get a week from people going, uh, Mr. Grisham, I love you. But I've got a great idea. How many do you
4: get a week? You know, Mac, they, they can't find me. Not that easy to uh, to access. Uh, it, it happens. Um, you know, I'll get the stray uh, email. I'll get the stray letter. Uh, I'll get the uh, manuscript left at the, you know, PO box <laughs> or something like that. So it's still, it still happens. It's no big deal um and you know some of the ideas are very good <laughs> some are some are not very good but that, that's sure. part of being a writer people are always gonna always gonna want you to read their stuff and always gonna send you books or short stories or whatever that's just kind of part of it and you know it's not it's not unpleasant
3: i i, I can only rate Basco. we get fan mail you know every day it's sign this sign that we send it back all the time so i understand that but Book writing is totally different. Like I said, you're still playing the game. I retired from the game a long time ago. So I got to find my next dog and pony thing to do. And now (laughs) it's with Mac. So this is what we got going on. So it's
2: good. You know, I expected to see you on Zoom, John. I expected to see sticky notes and index cards all over your office as you build these these ideas. I'm guessing you have a place to write down the ideas or at least begin the the process of, okay, I got this idea. And you may just write
4: two or three words. Yeah, I'm in my uh, wife's office here on the farm and uh, south of Charlottesville because our our internet is uh, some satellite system that's not that strong, and so we get very uh, we're so far out in the boonies, our, our 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 internet system is is not that good. This is the one spot in the house though where I can where the internet works fine, and if you move two feet that way, it's not going to work. <laughs> and so I have to sit here at my wife's desk with books behind me. My writing uh, office is uh, a small building behind the main house here, and uh, I've been over there for twenty some odd years. And that's where I that's where I go every morning at seven o'clock. There's no phone, no fax, no internet, no music. It's that's very perfect. quiet, and and it's perfect. And I, I go over every day with a you know the same type of coffee, same strong coffee, and uh-huh. and close the door, and it's dark and quiet, and I still. Even after 46 books, I still really enjoy uh, those early morning hours when things are quiet. And I, I feel grateful to be able to, cr- to create and to write books that people find entertaining. It's still after, you know, 30 years of doing that, it still uh, uh, gives me a lot of pleasure. And I hope I keep, I don't have 44 ideas tacked to the wall. <laughs> I'd like to see um, i probably got, you know, three or four. I'm halfway through with the next legal thriller. I'll come Love out in October. Uh, Great. I start every year on January the 1st writing a legal thriller. I, I tell Doubleday, my longtime publisher, I'll say, yeah, there's a book this year and uh, it'll be ready July the July 1st so you can publish it in late October. That's that's our plan. Uh, One third of all books are sold at Christmas time. So the publishers really want the big guys to come out in late October for the Christmas market sub. I've been on that treadmill for a while. But that's the plan. And so... Uh, January, February, and March are the best months of the year for me to write. During those months, about all I've got going on is a new novel in college basketball. And I write in the mornings, and then at night we're going to watch a game, either, you know, at JPJ or the Dean Dome or something on television. We, we, we follow ACC games pretty close. And it's, it's, you know, the weather's not great. It's cold, you stay inside and that's a great time to write. Great time to watch basketball. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, I,
3: I, lo- I love the nest. I can only, my nest was University Hall and the small weight room that we had with Coach Don and Coach Gamble, right? That was my nest. So going to a nest every day, I can understand that, but my nest has been de- de- destroyed. So I'm glad you still got your nest.
4: I was going to say, yeah, you know, I watched, I watched many games in u uh, at, uh at, at the guest of the, President and Barry Park Hill and other people and and uh, we weren't here, Raf, when you were playing. We came, a few, we moved to a few years later, but uh, I watched you and uh, that those great teams play in the early 1980s. Again, my wife, we were living in Mississippi, but my wife is from Raleigh, and so she was a big Tar Heel fan right. as a kid. So it was all ACC basketball with her parents' families. We watched all the games we could. Is was, was also uh, there was not cable everywhere, and not as many right. stations back in the early 80s we could get more games because there was limited cable, but we were getting to see a lot of basketball when you were playing the great Terry Holland teams and, and, you know, the great, uh, <laughs> the great Jimmy V game, which mm. you UVA fans have a different take on <laughs> against, <laughs> against five slamma jamma UVA should have been there. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, those were, those were great times, great games. And we just kind of have always watched, uh, a lot of basketball and, um, we watched michael jordan you know lenny by lenny by story was kind of a an inspiration for for sully yep. oh, uh, because how about it was that? such a tragic story and yeah and so uh, we watched him play on television and watched ralph and a lot of great players over the years that's that's good stuff has the theater Boone yeah. kid lawyer books been well received john yeah i get a lot of letters from kids who uh who think they're lawyers or think they want to be lawyers <laughs> <laughs> The, Theodore Boone is my kid series. He's a 13-year-old kid. Both of his parents are lawyers. He's the only child. So he, he thinks he's, all they talk about is the law. So Theo thinks he's a lawyer. He stays in trouble because he can't stop giving legal advice to all of his friends <laughs> and their older brothers. And that, that, So it's a kind of a humorous, but also it touches on some serious issues. Uh, probably seven of them uh, starting about 10 years ago. They're fun yeah. to write in the fall. When I finished writing a legal thriller in June, July, August, uh i'll take a break and normally normally by labor day i'm bored again so i'll write a sports book or i'll write a kid's book or i'll write something that's not illegal. (laughs) and uh so i've written seven of the kids books and uh very well received i'm sure i hope to keep writing
2: ralph i never get tired of talking to this guy yeah, oh my guys, they could you know sit down
3: and talk for days. So uh, we we might get invited to the next one of these days. Just hang out and
2: <laughs> or, go, go, or go play
3: baseball, basketball, something like that.
2: I was gonna say or a pickup game at Cove Creek. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that may be better. That, that be would better. be that would be good, John. Uh, thank you so much for for taking time and your busy schedule. As I said, you're writing in the morning and, and still promoting uh, Suli. How did you name Suli? And did Suli did the name Suli
4: come early in the development of the book? Oh, great question! Uh, I really struggle with titles uh, every year. I just struggle with the, the right kind of title. His name is Samuel Suleiman. Suleiman's a fairly common name in East Africa, okay. and I'd seen it before, so I stole that name and changed the spelling to suit myself, and named him Samuel Suleiman. And, and Sule soon becomes his nickname once he starts playing basketball here. But as I wrote the book, we tried every every basketball phrase you could think of beyond the arc above the rim <laughs> in the paint, whatever you know you name it yeah I, I tried everything in the world and we couldn't find out you know i wanted a great title i always do couldn't find it and all i had was sully as a working title and i think the more we use sully and refer to oh, the just
3: Blow. Just got kind
4: of yeah. caught. So, yeah, caught fire. That's yep. great. We
3: had no
2: choice. Yeah, when you write that book about the 7 4 center, you can just simply call the book <laughs> stick. <laughs> no, yeah. it,
3: Mac, Mac 7 foot 4 point guard, not 7 4. No, that's point true. Guard.
2: That's true. Who can shoot threes? And Robert. Ralph, I, I did think about you a lot reading the book. So, John, thank you so very, very much. And uh continued success. We look forward to the fall and your book uh for Christmas, for sure. Absolutely.
4: Thanks, Thanks so much Mike. Thanks, Ralph. To you guys. Right. Yep. Enjoy. Thank you, Thanks. John
5: here to get into sportscasting you need experience just to get your foot in the door i can't tell you how many times in my career somebody will ask me how do i get into your business how do i become a sportscaster the first thing i ask is what have you done do you have any experience and the answer is normally nothing yet it's because they couldn't find a program that provided the real world experience that you need to get started so i set out to create a program designed for the next wave of sportscasting talent and my partner was an obvious one. Full Sail University, great track record in entertainment and media, great alumni group, and the ability to evolve as the industry changes. We're offering a bachelor's degree that combines the professional expertise that my fellow sportscasters and I have built our careers on with the technologies shaping the world of sports. To succeed in this business, you have to be ready for what's next, but the core of great sportscasting I don't think will ever change, and this program brings it all together.
1: a game plan for life it's basketball and beyond we return to center court with hall of famer ralph Sampson.
2: welcome back to center court on the winner's circle network and by the way for more content and information on center court you can follow us on center court podcast 50 and ralph Sampson 50 on all social media platforms you can find us there ralph's got a big event coming up in just a little bit and of course we'll be talking about next week we'll also be talking about the the hall of fame and what went on it's going to be uh, pretty emotional, as Ralph said, with uh, Jordan uh, paying tribute to uh, to Kobe. One quick thing, uh, Ralph, I just really enjoyed John Grisham. And there was a time uh, during, uh, there was an era where somewhere around Faye Vincent, Bud Selig, uh, Giamatti baseball commissioners, that John Grisham's name was being tossed around by a few people as being commissioner of Major League Baseball. I mean, there was this talk and now I just really enjoyed hearing about how he handles his commissionership at Cove Creek and dealing with parents and kids. That's just, I just love that.
3: Imagine that, Mike, Cove Creek, and dealing with parents. And he's John Grisham. I got to go ahead and deal with parents. But, you know, he, he's an everyday guy. I mean, he, he writes great books. He could have been a commissioner of BAPO probably if he if he wanted to. He's a very smart man being a lawyer. But imagine that. But his wife probably said, you're better book writer than a commissioner. So I'm sure he got some control, <laughs> being that he's sitting in her office. Yeah. In the background you see her off that was quite more yeah. much more cleaner than his nest. So <laughs> I'm sure she had a lot of say so
2: in that. I think, I think you're right. And when when Time to Kill, which actually was his first and uh, and then when the firm at the firm made people go back and get time to kill. And if you haven't seen the movie, you need to, but, um, he was in an 84 courtroom. He saw the story about a 12 year old girl that, uh, was, you know, was beaten and raped. And and so then he started to turn that story around when he gets time to kill done, Ralph, you talk about perseverance. It was turned down by 28 publishers, right? Rejected by 28 publishers. I mean, can yeah, you believe yeah,
3: that? But that, that, that's his grit. That's what he does. I mean, he, he knew it was a good book. And I mean, it's a great movie, great book. And it turned out you know, to be one of the best.
2: Yeah. And of course, The Firm, uh, I know he was tired of talking about those. So I didn't really want to bring him up. But The Firm remained the New York Times bestseller list for 47 weeks. I think Suli is going to do very, very well. And yeah, he's got to polish off another book and have it done by July 1, so uh can't wait. Ralph's got an event coming up. The Horizons Edge Sports Campus will be hosting the inaugural Puma Ralph Sampson Invitational and Combine. It's coming up on May 29th, May 30th. Uh, the event, boy, how... I- Ralph, Rob, you're going to have a lot of kids there, right, doing the combine and doing the doing the invitational, right?
3: And we, we sure hope so. Everybody can sign up at horizonoftheedge.com, and uh, we are looking forward to that. But also we have the combine on that Monday where kids can come in and go through our combine and get uh, college coaches to look at you. So we're looking forward to that Monday afternoon as well. And it's going to be fun. A lot of kids should be there.
2: And you say, and college coaches are going to be—they're going to be in attendance, right? They're going to be looking yeah, at the kids. Yeah, they
3: can—they can—they can come watch the kids. We have a special effort. For college coaches come watch the kids. We will give them all the information from kids that can be recruited, and we're inviting kids from all over the state to come. We'll see how how many show up, but it should be a fun event, and I'm excited.
2: Where do teams, kids? Parents, where do they find out about this event? And how do they register?
3: Well, one, they, they can register at horizondays.com, at Horizon has Sports. You can just look it up, Google it, or just say .com. Mac, we are launching this uh, Samson Basketball Academy website probably within the next week or so. So you can go to samsonbasketballacademy.com probably within a week. There's a splash page out there right now. I'll put your name in, register, we'll get back to you. But those two places you can go to today and, and register and or add your name to your list, and we'll get right back to you as well. So okay. join us.
2: Hope you have a busy week planned.
3: I got some farming to do, Mac. I got some grass to cut. <laughs> do so. you?
2: You got to cut grass? I got some grass
3: to cut. So it's, it's, it's Saturday, be everybody. I'll be, I'll be cutting grass on the farm. So okay. it's,
2: it's, a, it's a nightmare. For Ralph Sampson, I'm Mac and on the Winner's Circle Network. And that is Center
1: Court for this week. You've been listening to Center Court with Hall of Fame basketball player Ralph Sampson. Our podcast is available on the Believe Network at V-L-E-A-V.com. Center Court is presented by the Winner Circle Network and the Sampson Family Foundation. For more information, log on to sampsonfamilyfoundation.org. Uplift, empower, educate. Teamwork makes the dream work.